passage this morning is uh, continuing in Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthians, the second one, beginning with uh, the first verse of chapter 6. It's found in your pew Bible on page 940. It'll also be in the, uh, on the screen. I do want to just take a moment and thank, thank you to Chappie for um, standing in for Bill Watson, who last night came down with a fever, um, but uh, uh, glad that uh, Chappie could uh, be ready on such short notice. Once again, Chappie, you saved me. Let's, uh, let's pray together. <laughs> let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Speak to us in the power of your spirit so that your living word might uh, be reign supreme in our lives and our very thoughts and our actions and our very heart. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance. In afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying. And see, we are alive. As punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor yet making many rich. As having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. In return, I speak as to children. Open wide your hearts also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul is uh, continuing in his conversation with the church at Corinth, and uh, one in which is a struggle. The, the, the church at Corinth, as we talked last week, has a, a number of issues in their midst. One of which that he's addressing here is how they, they heard the gospel, the good news from Paul. They heard the message of reconciliation, that, that they were broken before God. And yet God in Jesus Christ has now reconciled, has made the relationship pure 
clean and one again, just as we just experienced, as we just celebrated when we come before God to confess our sins and receive His forgiveness. The the ministry of reconciliation, which is the passage just before this, the the famous passage of when Paul tells the Corinthians that we are about a ministry of reconciliation with God, of being made one with God, being reconciled to one another, and now we are ambassadors of that reconciliation to others. That's what it means to be spiritual, to be reconciled with God, to be in relationship to God. It's not some higher level of consciousness or some certain prayer technique. Hmm. Being spiritual is to be in relationship with the living God. And what Paul has told the Corinthians, reminding them now, is that that is real and true today, right now. There's nothing you have to go do or be. It's simply been done for you in Jesus Christ. And now you receive that good news. And you are reconciled with God. And you are in relationship with Him. And that's what it means to be spiritual. Because God is spirit. But there's a problem that maybe they've received this good news, this gospel, in vain. And that's what he talks about in this first verse. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. Somehow they are moving beyond the simple good news that Paul has shared with them. That, that in some way makes the message of Paul empty in their life. Not effectual. Not having the, the desired effect in their lives. Hence, it's in vain. We're not told exactly what it is, the problem in Corinth. But, but somehow... They are either discounting Paul's gospel or they're simply receiving it and not doing anything with it. And I think that's what Paul is is getting at here. That they are simply receiving it as good teaching and not doing anything with it. For Paul begins his word here as saying that we are co-workers with God. We are working alongside with God in this ministry of reconciliation. And unless the Corinthians accept that part of living out the gospel, it's as if the gospel really didn't come to them. I mean, it's amazing to consider what Paul is saying that This ministry of reconciliation, this truth of being spiritual with God means that we now join with God in carrying out God's purposes in our world. We're co-workers with God in this ministry of reconciliation. That yes, there's a truth that we are broken. Our relationship with God is broken. And we need to be aware of that so that we might receive the saving grace of Jesus, and be reconciled with God by Christ through faith in Him, in His life, in His death, and in His resurrection. And because of that, we can announce the same thing that Paul announces in verse 2. That that 
The doors to, to heaven have been flung open. Today, right now, is the day of salvation. It is like the doors at Walmart, 5 a.m., the day after Thanksgiving. Now, the stampede should begin because now is the time. This is the time of salvation in Christ. And really, his statement here, the whole passage, is to the church in Corinth. You know, when I first read it, I thought, well, maybe this is more an evangelistic statement. But really, none of the Bible clearly is evangelistic. I mean, the New Testament is all written to the church. It's written to believers, not to unbelievers. Now, there's always secondary applications. And if there's anyone in here today, just happened in, or maybe we had a purpose, searching, wanting to know, how am I right with God? What all do I have to do? What does it mean to be, to be spiritual? You saw the sign. You said, be spiritual today. Okay, hey, I'll try today. Let me see. It, it is truly this simple. That God has made the way clear and straight for you to know Him. To be in relationship with Him. As Chappie shared, our, our sins, our brokenness, our fallenness, the things that separate us from God, He has taken care of. He has cleansed us in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ at the cross, at the empty tomb. The price, the penalty, the wrath of God has been satisfied. And what God desires is to be in relationship with you. To be on a journey. To be your leader, your guide, your God, your Lord. For all of life. And it can happen. It can start. It begins today. And at the end of the service, and I'll, I'll mention it later, I'll invite anyone who really is... Seeking God, wanting to walk in that journey to come into the prayer room. We're an elder of this church. I mean, that, that kind of thing better happens in dialogue, in, in conversation, one-on-one. Uh, -on -one, not one-on-200. Not monologue. But no, the offer is there, and I'll mention it again, and they'll gladly meet with you. Now, in that room, there's no papers to sign. There, there's no, nothing to complete. It is simply a conversation, a time of prayer, and joining together with God. A time of beginning a journey, of walking with God, of a life with God in Jesus Christ. Something that God desires to have with you even more than you desire. But what Paul, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. And his main point to them is that you, we are co-workers together in this ministry of reconciliation. We share in this opportunity of serving others in this ministry of reconciliation with God. Paul recognizes that the church in Corinth is somehow not receiving the fullness of the gospel. That they are not making Jesus Lord. Somehow they're making Jesus a nice option. They're making Jesus a safety valve. 
making Jesus simply just a ticket to heaven versus the very Lord of their life. And that's His word to us who are resting on our laurels in Jesus, who are simply stuck in our own salvation and not living it and sharing it with others. When we are simply satisfied that we are saved and do not see ourselves as co-workers with Jesus in the ministry of reconciliation, if we see ourselves simply as recipients of grace but not fellow givers of that grace, we are like the Dead Sea where all the water just comes and gathers instead of then disperses to others. I mean, this message, this good news that today God has heard us in verse 2. That He's listened to us. That this is the day of salvation. This is the time of salvation. You know, there are two words in the Greek for time. One is chronos, where we get chronology. You know, where the time, it goes from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock. That's not the word used here. The other word is kairos, which means it's the quality of time. It is a special time. Not that it's the right time, but it's a special time. It is God's time. And now this side of Jesus, of the cross, of the empty tomb, this side of when the, the Spirit is moving and alive in us is God's time at all times. And so we are to be filled as co-workers with Jesus with this message. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. And that is to be our life. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day that we share in that stampede on the doors of Walmart. So Paul is explaining to them as he's explaining to us the fullness of this ministry of reconciliation that we invite others to share in the spiritual life that we so enjoy and how exciting it is. Verse 3. Because of this, because of this, this, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. We are co-workers with Him. Therefore, we are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Paul has said, therefore, what we are to do, we are to be sure we are as pure as we can be. So that the focus isn't on us, but that the focus is on Jesus. So that folks can hear and respond to the simple and pure message of Jesus' love for us. I mean, this is Paul's call to the Corinthians, as it is to us, that that we, in, in our life together, must debunk the most common complaint of the world about the church. And you know what that is. Hypocrites. Church is full of hypocrites. Ran across a survey, some research done recently with uh, 20 and 30-somethings. And uh, the, the survey showed 67% of them, that was their, and it was from a, a Christian organization, they were trying to see the, that generation's connection with the church and connection with Jesus. And, and basically they said, you know, the problem with the church is it's full of hypocrites. 67 out of 100. 77 out of 100 said, you know, that really the organized church is more about religion, more about maintaining their building, maintaining their stuff. It really isn't about the love of God and the love of others. That's their perception. 
And 90%, 90 out of 100 said, you know, I really do better connecting with God without other people. Without being a part of the organized church. And matter of fact, even 46% of them said, really, Christians simply get on my nerves. Now, what's true about that is that that's the perception. Where it came from, if it's uh, you know, a work of the devil, if it's a work through the, the media to highlight the failures of the church, you know, failures always sell more news than do successes. The reality is, we can blame whoever we want to blame, but the reality is that is the perception of the world, and especially of that generation. So we can moan and groan and complain, or we can say we're going to be different. We're going to be a community that counteracts that perception. We're going to demonstrate at least to the generations that we know a reality that is different than what they have in their minds. And that means a whole lot of things. It means, one, we've got to have relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And we've got to be in relationships with them that are on purpose that are about being co-workers with Jesus, with, with Jesus and carrying out this ministry of reconciliation. And it means we've got to really be about being that jubilee community that we claim, that we seek to be in order to blow the excuse out of the water that the world will have. As we live out our reconciled relationships with God, as we live out our reconciled relationships with one another, that's what the world wants to know. That's nice, you have a reconciled relationship with God. Does it make any difference in your relationships with one another? Show me something I can see to really demonstrate what I can't see. And as we, as a Jubilee community, reconcile to one another across race, across economics, across generation, through the great dividing walls of our world, as we demonstrate that reconciliation in the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, the world will see and take note. At least that's what Jesus said. And if nothing more, we will at least say that we are seeking to be that community that is different than the world complains about in the church. We want to show the way and the power of Jesus in real ways in our lives. That we are connected in Jesus no matter our differences. Because the gospel of reconciliation is just that powerful. And as we've talked about before, we as the church in general in the United States have failed. We have failed at living according to the truth of the gospel and reconciling with one another. We have lived according to the the divisions of our world. You just got to take a look around and you can see it, even this morning. And so we are about correcting that. We're about not complaining about the church, but we're about working so that we can be the church that we know we want to be. Because we don't want to put any obstacle in anyone's way that might come to Christ. We want to be all that we can be to demonstrate the purity and the love and the wonder of heaven so that those who don't know 
might experience it in and through us as co-workers with God. And the way that we do that, verse 4, but as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance. In all things, showing ourselves as servants of God. We connect with each other. We serve the world like Jesus. Because that's what the world needs to see. So that they can see the, the sacrificial love of God in and through us. Last night I had a conversation with some folks who are not really into church at all. It's our block party. And as I was uh, talking to them, one, uh, the person asked me, said, you know, what exactly do you do? Do you only work one day a week? You know, how, does that, how does that work? And you know, in a way, I was really encouraged that this person had such a comfort level with me to even ask me that. That we developed enough of a relationship, just hanging out, walking dogs, throwing the baseball, being at the block party at the, 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 the garden show yesterday, the garden tour, just to be able to ask me that. And she wouldn't be mean. She was just curious. She just didn't know. But a great, then a great opportunity to talk about the, the church and the work that we do in the name of Christ and to, to talk about all the cows that were in my front yard. For those of you that know, they were, we had all ten on Mother's Day. And that, that that was raising money for a, a group of teenagers who were going to give, who were going to spend money, raising money, giving of themselves in order to go to Budapest, Hungary, to work with Christian missionaries among a refugee population. For them, that was like, wow, that makes a difference. And we had two kids there who had just come back with a junior high trip going into Confrontation Point, where they went into the mountains of Tennessee to, to serve the Appalachian poor in the name of Christ. Wow, really? I mean, right there, they had a simple example uh, that counteracted all the examples of the hypocrisy of the church simply by recounting the ways that we as a church are seeking to serve the world like Jesus. We're taking seriously that we are God's co-workers. And it planted a seed for reconciliation. Who knows when that seed, if it will or if it will flower. But this being co-workers with God, putting no obstacle in anyone's way, being servants of God as, as we are co-workers with Him, means it takes great endurance on our part. This is not an easy journey that Jesus is inviting us to, that He is leading us on. I mean, do, you, do you see the list that we went through of all that Paul went through in order to serve the world, in order to be a co-worker with Jesus. It takes effort on our part and endurance. The, 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 the guiding word is the, the first one, it, through great endurance. And then he goes through all the different things. I mean, we could spend time on each one. But it is endurance, it is perseverance. It means we don't give up, that we are willing to make the effort necessary to be co-workers with Jesus, to be a representative of His love. 
We will endure the tribulation. We will endure the anguish, the misunderstanding. We will endure when people will laugh in our face. We will endure the the sleepless nights because we're on our knees in prayer for the one God has put on our heart. We will endure fasting for we know that leads us to God and leads us to others. We will do the study and the work that's necessary. We will be transformed by His Spirit so that we truly are a, a people of authentic love and honest words. We will endure that for our charge is great. There is no greater. Verse 11. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. See, it's it's not a matter of just dispensing the right knowledge. It is a matter of relationship with others who don't know the love of Christ. That we are real with them. We open our hearts to them. Just like Paul did to the Corinthians. We love others in the fullness of Jesus. And that takes a lot of effort and a lot of time. You know, it's been just this year, in the last 12, 15 months, that I've had three friends who have shared with me their spiritual growth one of whom I beat over the head with the four laws, if you know what that is, a little track. I, mean, I, really, you know, I was in college. I came, came home and beat him over the head with it. 23 years ago. Others were, were friends of, of mine from other times and other places. And each one of them, one, uh, a woman came into his life who was a follower of Jesus. Another one had a, an accident. Another had a personal failure. And they've all contacted me to say how God's become more real to them. And they made it a point to contact me to say that. You know, and I just thought those, that I had failed. That my efforts were lost. But that is never the case with the gospel. You never know when the Spirit will be at work and use the opportunity at hand for another to grow into Christ. I'm wondering with you today, for whom are you pouring your life? Into whom, whose life are you pouring your life today? Who are the people that that you are co-workers in the gospel that God has you connecting with them for that purpose? If you don't have any, then ask God, who have you put me in the place to connect with today? Because today is the day of salvation. As a church, I mean, maybe as a church, that's what we're trying to do. We just had this Galilee by the sea. had over 200 people come through here. One of whom I know didn't know the gospel. He didn't even know who Adam and Eve was. When I asked the group, you remember the story of Adam and Eve? He's no, I don't know what you're talking about. It's awesome. 
<laughs> he was here. There are any people around you don't know the story of Adam and Eve and God has you right there with them so that you can connect with them. That's why we have the block party in August. That's why, we have, that's why the stairs are putting on love songs next week. There, there are opportunities for us to join with them in connecting with others, to be co-workers with God, to sharing the gospel with others. Sunday school, worship, while we have listeners in the White House, all kinds of opportunities that are here besides just simple conversation with coworkers, friends, and family. So we take our offering now. So we present our offering. I want us to look beyond the money, what we put in the plate. But I really want us to be before God and say, who have you placed me in their life in order to be a co-worker with you in the gospel? To be a servant of yours in their life? Ask God, if the names come to mind of exactly who they are, then lay them in the offering plate. Let us not have the same thing that could be said to the Corinthians. Did you accept the gospel in vain? Let us not be the case for us. And remember, our point is not about the church. Our point is about Jesus. We are living with Jesus and we are sharing Jesus with others. So there is no excuse for us not being a part of this full ministry, the reconciliation. So, so during this time, during this offering, as we offer our money, let us offer ourselves to God, our whole lives unto God. Asking God, who are the people? To whom are you calling me? And listen, if you don't know. Or if you know, lay them before the Father. Because you never know how God might use your service in this grand ministry of reconciliation. Amen.